0: joy archive i'm your host minda honey if this is your first time joining us i'm the editor of reckon's black joy team this is our final episode of our debut season in praise of black gospel choirs today we're taking a bit of a different approach mackenzie foy is our black joy social producer an artist and an archivist mackenzie didn't grow up in the church Her immersion in choir music came through her experiences as a labor organizer and activist, which led to singing in the Baltimore Labor Choir. In our conversation, she explains what it's like to hear songs rooted in black culture coming from the mouths of a majority white choir. She also shares the stories of her limited interactions with church and why she's so drawn to gospel music. And of course, we talk about what brings us black joy. Join us for another week inside the Black Joy Archive. Welcome, Mackenzie. Tell the folks a little bit about yourself, where you're at, what you're into. Um, I'm based in Baltimore. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey,
1: and my mom grew up in Philadelphia. My dad grew up between New Jersey and New York. I could go on and on with my ancestral line. Um,
0: but really my family's only a couple of generations. Literally because she's an archivist.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely do that. Um, I definitely do. Yeah. My family's a couple of generations out of the South. So I feel really connected to the South and sort of Southern traditions and folk traditions, which. What part of the the South?
0: Are you thinking like Alabama?
1: No, my family's from Virginia and North Carolina, a little bit of South Carolina, Mm, um, but not quite. Alabama, Georgia, that, that Gulf area. Yeah. So yeah, that informs a lot of my interests as an archivist, uh, our, our journey, you know, to where we're at now and, and how like my family has developed. So I do archiving in my family in the community here in Baltimore, um, a lot of movement archiving. So, um, i try to like, understand like the culture of, of, movements of the past and how they inform you know movements of the future i'm getting way ahead of myself but that's actually (laughs) my interest um in kind of gospel came about is when i was studying um like labor movement culture specifically and just learning how much music and like collective voice like singing together was like a part of how they mobilized. People like in the civil rights movement, the labor movement before then, slave revolts, I'm sure were, we're also using that power of the song to mobilize, you know, revolution. So that's that's where my interest in, in it all really, really began as part of kind of, yeah, this historic excavation of movement song.
0: So singing as an act of resistance and a tool of revolution.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So when we first started talking about gospel music and black choirs, there was a lot of excitement in the room.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was, there was. I mean, I think that, I guess we didn't realize how we all overlapped around like gospel and choir in our personal lives. So it was a bit of excitement of like, oh, like you sing in the choir too? Like what voice part do you do? Like, I think it was just kind of like opening this
0: pandora's box a pandora's box indeed because you would have thought these conversations and discoveries would lead to black joy choir
1: but that has not been the case no we have vetoed that so many times so many times so many times
0: so did you sing in a choir in your youth where did you have like a home church that you participated in
1: no, none of that, which is, is also really rare. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, especially like, you know, the scholarship I'm interested in, a lot of people are coming from that church, Christian Baptist background. I did not, I never went to church growing up. I remember a few occasions where I did go to church and I was so like, wow, like this is what y'all do, huh? Like, I remember one time specifically, my dad, I guess he was at Syracuse. He went to Syracuse.
0: A.K.A. Father Boy.
1: I just call him dad. And um, (laughs) (laughs) he um, he took me to Syracuse. He took me to Syracuse um, for, I don't know, probably some alumni thing. And he actually was in the choir when he was in school. He was a, a tenor. And so I guess that's probably why we were in church, him seeing like, you know, whatever the legacy of, of this choir was. So that's like my first memory of being in church. And then another one, I remember, I guess my mom's, you know, best friends at the time, they were really involved in their church. And so their kids who were like, I guess, my play cousin, they were all in church, in the church choir. And so we went, I don't know why we were there, if it was a baptism or something, it probably was a baptism. Um, But we went and I remember seeing them sing and I remember feeling like, wow, that's cool. Like, that's so fun. This is like, again, just this feeling of, oh, this is what y'all do, huh? That's awesome. But yeah, those are my only two experiences. Um, I went a few times when I was in college because I really loved watching our gospel choir perform. And so again, I just was like, well, what's the service? Is it just singing or is there a service? And so I went to a service once in college
0: After the break, Mackenzie explains the ins and outs of a labor choir. Ah, uh, so do you belong to a choir currently, Mackenzie? Yeah, I do.
1: I'm part of the uh, Charm City Labor Choir, which is I love that. I love that that name. Yeah, Charm City. It's what they call in Baltimore.
0: Yes, uh, I knew that. Um. <laughs>
1: like, so a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. So that's why I'm saying it, not okay. just to you, to the people, sure. capital to the people. people, our our audience, yeah. our audience. So yeah, Charm City Labor Choir, um, which I think has been in Baltimore since 2008, I want to say, mm. um, around the early, I guess that's the mid mid early aughts. Um, yeah, it was it was started to
0: um, really as a branch off
1: of the DC Labor Choir, which is one uh, of the, the largest, but, but like, areas. what is
0: a labor choir?
1: Yeah. Got to rewind there. So the labor choir is a group of people who are in the labor movement, meaning Mm. they're in unions, they have organized their workplace in some other way, or they work with workers who are organizing their workplace um, to get together and sing. Mm. And in service to ideally the movements that go on. Um, And again, this ties into the like, long history of of song being a part of how people protest when you show up to a protest you don't just like necessarily sit around and just hold your signs for like eight hours traditionally you sing um and there's someone who raises it's
0: called raising a song okay so the the songs are traditionally sung within the black community by groups of black folks but you're your choir is not an exclusively black choir. And I think because what's that famous quote about how like the most segregated hour in America is like, you know, 9am on a Sunday morning because church is so segregated in this country. Um, And I think that has a ripple effect to choirs. Like choirs are very segregated. Uh, So what is the experience of like being in a choir that, you know, obviously has some white folks in it and singing these songs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This question is really big to me because it just brings up so much of like, so I've done an oral history project. I'm in the process of doing an oral history project with the Charm City Labor Choir that is addressing in some ways this exact question. And so I just am like trying to narrow down like my scope on it because I'm thinking of like the conversations I've had with folks who have been in it for the whole, you know, 20 years. So one, I want to clarify that a lot of the songs we sing um, are not Black songs. I wouldn't call them Black songs at all because the culture of the the labor movement um, has been dominated by white supremacy, like many cultures in the United States, um, for its entire existence. And so a lot of the songs are like, you know, there'll be like some Irish songs. There'll be some like more theatrical broadway style songs like they're they're not all hymns and gospels that we're singing first of all two like you're saying it's actually a predominantly white choir but our choir director is is black yeah daryl mock who's a performer and an educator and an activist in this local community and has been for a long time and so he very much walks the line of trying to engage everybody and like the man loves house music he loves house and gospel music that's and because like, house music is black music it is it is and so when he tries to introduce new songs to this group of mostly retired white activists it can be tense because they don't know the song they feel like if they don't, you know, I mean, it, it's hard. It's like a, a brave act to sing in general, but when you don't know something, it shows. It shows. And so that can be uncomfortable for folks who are used to, like, I've been singing this song for 20 years. And now you're asking me to sing, you know, the song that I love is uh, I Shall Not Be Moved, um, which is old. It's like this old ancient song, but there's like house adaptations of it. And so we do a medley that takes it from like the original. Um, which I don't even know how old that song is, but it takes the original, it takes like an old version of it from the sixties. And then we take like the house gospel version of it and we we sing them all together. And I I think it's like this wonderful arrangement and it's hard to sing because it's repetitive, but there's not a lot of time to breathe. So I personally enjoy the challenge. I think for folks who are used to knowing the whole songbook, um, it can be uncomfortable. But I, I don't know that that's like racialized.
0: Yeah. Being insecure is, uh, you know, everyone's domain. It's um, a human, human thing. But you were saying that, you know, singing, singing collectively particularly is, is, you know, is an act of bravery. So when yeah. did you make that brave act? Mm, I'm
1: um, thinking about this question. I don't know, I guess I didn't know there was a Baltimore choir, and so when I met him, I was like, oh, I didn't know, and he's like, you should join. And I was like, No, nah, I don't really sing. And he was like, Every- everyone, everyone can sing. Um, and I was like, nah, but like, nah, like, not really. Um, but I come, you know, I was deemed to, like, check it out, because I, I really just didn't know that it existed. So when I came, he was like, okay, time to sing. I was like, seriously? Seriously? He's like, yeah. And then at the end of practice, he was like, you know, you, you actually because I had never sang in that environment before. So I didn't know my voice part. I can't read music. So he handed me, you know, songs and I was like, hmm. I, it was a very drumline moment for me. I was like, I cannot read this music, but um, I can match pretty much any sound that I hear. I can like match, you know, the note. Um Which I didn't realize was a, a lot a lot of people can I believe I'm just saying that I actually don't know if a lot of people can, but anyway, um he's noticing like I'm not reading the music, but because of the person I was sitting next to, I was listening to them, and I was just singing you know the notes that they would sing, and he was like, that's nuts, like, and then he would give me a note and he would put it you know, I guess I was probably singing in alto and then he gave me a note and then I sang it in soprano and then he gave me another note and I sang it in tenor, and he was like, okay well you have to come back because you can sing multiple voice parts um and we we need you and so <laughs> i kept coming back um it it's really nice like you know the act like obviously it has these these literal uses when we talk about resistance and and direct action like singing together has like a literal purpose um but even like the feeling and i i've talked to you about this before but like the feeling of breathing together when you sing a song at least brian actually was the first person to tell me this to put this to word so i want to credit her um but when you sing a song with other people you have to breathe at the same time in order for the song to be in unison and so breathing collectively at the same time with a large group of people is like very spiritual and brings me right back to those moments of watching people in church and just understanding this, this type of almost like, I I don't know, is it a prayer? Is it worship? Is it like a connection just to like power, like our collective power or a higher power, like whatever you call it. Like it's literally a feeling um, that's hard maybe to to describe, but I think it comes from that collective breath. Um, And that's, that's really what kept me coming back is, is, the joy of it like when when i would go in it's monday night right so it's after work i'm tired and i don't want to do anything um but i would go and i'm like ah oh, let me get i have this thick binder it's like six inches thick of songs and i would go in and by the time i would leave when i'm walking back into my house i'm like skipping i'm literally skipping like i'm like full of just like happiness like i'm joy. just like happy um so a full of joy? Yeah, joy. It almost seems like too, too small of a word to me. I'm like, it's like, I'm like floating,
0: but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So what was the most interesting thing you learned during the process of the team's reporting on black choirs and gospel music? I think for
1: me, you know, as like the type of historian that I am, I just was, was loving, um, Sweet's timeline.
0: Tell us a little about bit about Sweet and their and their band and because you you brought
1: us Sweet. So I meant I met Sweet. Sweet is the band director, band leader for Black Folks No Swim question mark. And so they're a jazz, hip-hop, fusion band um that started in DC. Now they're kind of migrating, you know, to Philly, doing some activations in Philly and New York. Um I love that band. I love the space that they conjure. I love the visuals and the aesthetic they call forth with their like approach to music and approach to jazz. And so I thought they would be really perfect to like cover this and sort of uncover some of the history um, and the culture of gospel, especially as a musician, they're able to speak to some of the, the patterns or like the, the, like, foundational elements of, like, what is this, this genre um, better maybe than, than me. So I thought they'd be great. And they did, I think, an excellent job of, like, getting into that history and, and getting into what, how gospel works, like, how literally it works to come together um, and make that kind of music.
0: One of my favorite parts of the Black Joy archive is learning what gives our team Black joy. Here's what Mackenzie told me. Well, all of my joy is, in fact, black. That's a t-shirt right there.
1: I had an excellent adventure uh, with my cousins who live in Philly. My mom's side of family lives in Philly. I guess this was last weekend or this. No, I think it was the weekend. It was the first weekend in June. Um, There was a show at Girard College, which is a historic high school. So Beholding is a book-length poem by Ross Gay that talks about Dr. Julius Irving, who was a basketball player on the 76ers
0: in the 80s. Dr. J. Famously yeah. known as Dr. J. Yeah. So
1: they performed this poem, which is an interesting poem, um, with music. There was a live accompaniment. And I thought it would be interesting to see with my cousins who had, had not seen anything like it before. And they had a good time. And it was just fun to like do something new with them. And it also made me see them more as like growing people. I, I I don't know that I have a normative understanding of time. I think my understanding of time is actually very intentionally queer. Um and so it's it's it just felt like a celebration of like this timelessness of of like myself and of these young people or just these human beings. It was it was cool to like learn together.
0: Now that you um Mention it. I would say that that's certainly like, you know, if we were going to like categorize or make a list of like all time things that bring me joy, bring me black joy. It is to be a a gateway for experience for others when you have the ability, the privilege of allowing folks access, particularly access to things and spaces, um, communities that they would maybe not otherwise have that connection to or entry into like that's something that certainly makes me feel joyful yeah
1: and and to let them know like they belong there um so it was fun um to yeah just again remind them like you know you can take up space you're allowed to do that you are you are welcome to do that and you deserve it
0: and that's a wrap on another episode of the black joy archive And our first season. Thank you all so much for coming on this journey with us. And if you missed our first two episodes, go back and give them a listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to hear more in the future, help us grow by giving us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and by subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family. If you want even more black joy in your life, make sure you're signed up for our newsletter by going to Reckon.News and clicking on the Black Joy page. Then, enter your email addy into the sign-up box. We also want to hear from you. What gives you Black Joy? Let us know by finding us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at BlackJoyReckon, or by shooting us an email at BlackJoy at ReckonMedia.com. Black Joy Archive is hosted by me, Minda Honey, and it's edited and produced by John Hammontree and Danny Buckingham. For more podcasts from the Wrecking family, check out Wrecking Radio and the Wrecking Interview wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay joyful.